Jordan's subjective. Jordan's subjective. Jordan's subjective. Jordan's subjective perspective. <laughs> hey, uh, have, have you like, like thought further into like, because I know you told me at the gym, I think it was last semester, you were thinking about doing a podcast with your mom. Oh yeah, you brought that up. Um, I haven't thought further into it. Um, we haven't talked about it at all. She's been super busy. Okay. Um, she's the bookstore manager at my high school. Oh, no shit. Sure. Okay. So she's, like, constantly, like, making new orders, putting on sales, like, all this stuff. So at some point, I hope to, but we haven't, mm. like, discussed it at all. Okay. Yeah. Wait, where'd you grow up at? St. Louis. No, wait, what, what high school? Westminster. No, oh, okay. I just went to the, uh, I, I went to the PGA with some friends the other day, and, uh, I, I had to park at Westminster, and then they, like, took, like, buses out from there. Oh, like, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's home base. Okay. Very cool. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, right by CBC and Maryville. Right there. Places. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Super nice area. Yeah. That campus, my first year there was actually the first year at the new campus. Wait, is that, so that's, that's the new campus there? That's the new CBC? campus. The old one okay. was in Ladue, and then that one. I've never been there. I didn't know there was. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, okay. so this one is a lot nicer. It's a that, lot nicer. Okay. They had tons of donations from very rich parents of students and alumni, so it was, yeah, it's cool. The field is nice. Yes. The field is so nice. Yeah, which one? <laughs> uh, soccer field. I think the soccer field turf came from uh, Bush Stadium. Old Bush Stadium's turf. Really? Yeah. Wait, like turf like like sod? Yeah. Or, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh -huh. that's, that's really cool. <laughs> Pretty cool deal. Perks of Matheny and the Matheny kids going to Westminster. He just got fired, right? Yep. Wow. <laughs> and they're kicking some ass, unfortunately. <laughs> I haven't kept up with them at all. Wait, are you not a Cardinals fan? I No, I am. It's just unfortunate that the man got fired and uh, now they're pretty successful yeah that would piss me off well i'd be i'd i guess i'd probably want what's best for the organization sure I'm but sure at the same time too. i'd be like i'd be like damn like it i was the problem yeah is what it is i just never realized how important a manager is at the success of a baseball team because it seems like they don't do much they right stay in the bullpen they switch the pitchers but i mean i guess it makes a huge difference even right. halfway through the season you know I guess the strategy of baseball too, of like knowing, yeah, knowing when to pull the pitchers or like, sure, who to who to bat and the order. Sure, but I am not a baseball expert that, at all. Not at all. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but it's it's yeah, it's interesting to see. Um, I'm a Cards fan only because I'm from St. Louis. Okay. I have no, like I love going to baseball games, uh -huh. but I don't watch it on TV ever. Okay. I don't know about you. Not at all. American football. Oh, very at. cool. That's where it's at. Very cool. What's your favorite sport? I'm well. Okay, so my my top three would be they're not American like whatsoever, but it'd be soccer, then jujitsu, and then rugby. Jujitsu. Yeah, that's a cool one. Yeah, you I watch it on TV too. Uh, no, no, I don't. I, I pretty much don't watch any sports on TV except for <laughs> kind of soccer a little bit. Okay. But yeah, I it's it's something I got into like uh, when we, last summer, so summer of 2017, and it's it's really cool. It's really like uh, kind of quick pace, and then it's just really I, I really like the aspect of like the humility of uh, being thrown into like a choke against like going against somebody. It's really, really sure. a cool sport. That's awesome. 
So don't mess with Jordan is what I'm hearing. No, no, don't mess with the other guys in my gym because <laughs> I walked in, I was the weakest guy in that gym. Holy cow. Yeah. It was, is it a gym in Springfield? No, no, it's uh, back in St. Louis. Okay, right on. Wicked, man. I've always wanted to pursue some kind of like MMA or boxing, but a pretty selfish reason to do it was so I could protect myself in the streets, whoop some ass. That's, a, that's not selfish <laughs> at all. That's reasonable. Yeah. And who knows, like, you might get in there and then your reasoning completely switches, too. Sure. Yeah, that'd be cool. Do you feel like... I think you'd enjoy it, by the way. I think you'd enjoy it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. I wrestled for a year in high school. Okay. Um, my mom hated it. She hated going to matches because she hated seeing us in our singlets laying in piles. <laughs> and she made it very clear that she hated it. So after a year, I was like, eh... My mom isn't cool with it. I don't know if I want to keep doing it. But um, I think jujitsu uses a lot of wrestling moves. I know there, there are some parallels for sure, but I, I know uh, one one thing that kind of surprised me at least is that you can't like you don't want to be on your back in uh, in wrestling, right? Right. Yeah, because that's how you get pinned. That's, that's how you lose. That's really interesting to me because like in jujitsu, like being in your back is actually a pretty decent position to be in. Interesting. So you can get them in something called your guard, which is pretty much, you might have seen them before whenever they wrap their legs around the person. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's actually, uh, I mean, it's arguable. You can definitely defend it. But, like, if you're in guard, so if you're on top of guard, you, like, typically want to get out of guard. So okay. it's, it's arguably a better position for the person on the bottom. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. That's Isn't great. It? I figured it was a similar concept that you're trying to stay off your back. Right. That's pretty cool. I would I would love to like train like wrestling and other martial arts as well. The like like just all the nuances between them. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're all yeah they're all so different. It's all fighting, you know. But it, they're all so different. True. So different ways. Actually, uh, this this would probably make you feel good. But uh, I I had uh, somebody who is the number one amateur MMA. Uh, flyweight, which is 125 pounds or less, uh, in the region right now, and he's, he, and he said that wrestling is arguably one of like the better martial arts. Wow, that's like a lot of like nice. uh, like MMA fighters. They'll tell you that wrestling is like one of the the best ones to learn. They they won't say like most people I've talked to. They said that it's not. Uh, there's not necessarily like one dominant martial art or like one like best martial art or anything but uh they have said that like wrestling will it's like just the most like grit and and just like busting through kind of like hard work yeah yeah it's it's tough the wrestling workouts we would do um were insane really from just running up and down stairs to um do 100 dips as fast as you can to Let's, carry like, uh, a guy on your back across like the mat dips? yeah Okay. Yeah, to carrying a guy on your back around the mat three times or whatever it was. Wow. It's crazy. So a lot of people quit because of the hard work. Um, but I loved it. Really? You know, I love that aspect of it. Pushing your hardest and bettering yourself in the fitness world, you know, like. And not only helping your body, but helping your mind, too. Oh, wow. How so? Man, I am a strong believer in fitness because of what it does to your mindset. It's like getting up every day and going and bettering yourself, uh -huh. you know, um, getting healthier, 
it's not just about looking good or meeting your weight goals. You know, a big part of it for me is like, is the knowledge you gain from it and the mental clarity you gain from it. You were talking a, a second ago about how when you run, uh-huh. um, and some days it feels so good and you could go forever and that clarity you feel. Uh-huh. You know, that's my favorite part of fitness. The endorphins that come with it. Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I would def- it's I'd therapy, agree. you know? It keeps me sane. Yeah, well said. Well yeah. said. That's that honestly that's like usually my typical therapy. Like that or like if I if I'm a- unable to like successfully think through a problem, but I'm just like, you know what? I'm just gonna go on a run, or go work out, or whatever it may be. Cause yeah. it, it really does. Like it, it really just shifts your entire focus. Like with those endorphins. Sure. Yeah, I, I'm a big advocate of morning workouts. Oh, you like working out? Getting up before the sun comes up and going for a run, and you're going. You know, before the day even, before anybody else is even out of bed. I respect that. Yeah, I respect that. That's definitely not me, if we're being honest. <laughs> I like just uh, working out when I can, but I, I, I sure. respect that. Yeah, I could see that though, because I, I know like working out in the morning, like I could see the rest of your day just kind of buzzing and just kind of like full of energy, almost like like Absolutely. almost like a natural coffee. Sure. Sure. The coffee on top of it is nice, too. There you but. go. There you go. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it continues all day long. It's hard to stay consistent doing that, though, mm. getting up early. Especially college. Yeah. Not to make excuses, but college, uh, I've, I've learned, like, implementing, like, a wake-up-early kind of routine and habitual, like, tendency. I, I don't know. It's I Personally, it's not for me at this point in life. Okay, but I have a lot of respect for anybody who's able to get up at this at like early in college. For yeah, sure, for yeah. Sure. I think it's all about creating habits, you know, because the first two weeks of trying to get up at six a.m. every day is going to mm-hmm. be super, super difficult. But after that, if you do it every single day, that alarm goes off. You smack it and you get out of bed immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't hit snooze and keep sleeping. And you do that for a long enough period of time, it'll be just. The way it is. And learn to love it, yeah. probably. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, it's the same way with getting in the gym. It's kind of hard if you've taken a bunch of time off. But after you've been consistent mm-hmm. for a good amount of time, you learn to love it, right? And it's just a habit. It's just the way it is. That's a good point. That's a good point. Just uh, the time of the day that that you choose to work out. Sure. Just, just like another element of working out. Okay. Sure. Um, I know there's some science behind working out in the morning, too. Really? It releases certain chemicals that are different from working out later in the day. Really? I don't know the specifics on it, but yeah. Does um, that matter between, so let's say, for example, if you wake up at 8 a.m. whenever the sun is, like, rising in comparison to waking up, like, before the sun has even risen? I'm not sure. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if, if that any, plays a toll. Yeah, if there's any difference between the two. Yeah. Hey, we got computers. Let's Google it. Dude, let's, let's check it out. <laughs> By the way, this is the this is the first time I've ever like just jumped into it. So, but we're, we're live with Caleb Miller. So yeah. I would like to introduce the person. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, so what was the waking benefits of waking up early or working out early in the morning? Or? Yeah, or benefits of working out at different times of the day, maybe. I'm getting it big bold. There is not one best time of the day to work out. (laughs) 
I remember my psychology teacher told me it was like 4 p.m. one time and that there was some psychology about like to where you eat healthier. But like if you already make the, the choice to eat healthy already, then I don't see the problem of it. Right. I wonder if there's without a doubt exercise can boost your me- metabolic rate. Okay, obviously. Uh, the degree depends on your current fitness level and kind of activity you choose. All the things belong are being equal. Working out in the morning will help boost your metabolism, allowing you to burn more calories throughout the rest of your day. Sure, there you go. So, it, what if you what if you work out before bed and then you go to bed? Because uh, at least for me, like I'm, I know some people say, like if they work out late at night, they're unable to fall asleep. I'm the same way. Yeah, really? yeah. I, I personally, I can like I can work out and then uh, within an hour of being back showered and everything, like I can easily fall asleep. Wow. But so That's I wonder. If, I want, Do you think it maybe burns like calories in your sleep? Then would that would the same benefits apply just in your in your sleep, or would there be more calories burnt because you're like going throughout your day and like burning calories on top of that? I would assume that once your heart rate reaches its resting level, and your body is kind of calmed down, your core temperature is going to start to drop while you sleep. Uh-huh. That you're going to lose that. Okay. So I would okay. It may you may burn more calories at first. Uh-huh. But I think it would your metabolism would would decrease. Um mm. Mm. when you sleep. Cuz if you work out in the morning and you're moving all day, uh-huh. You know, your core temperature staying higher. Um your metabolism is still running. You're eating food which keeps your metabolism running. So you're thinking. Right. Absolutely. Well, that's an interesting concept. Yeah, I've never really thought about that. Yeah. I like that. I like so that. So morning workouts, man. Well, what about morning versus the middle of the day? I'm playing devil's advocate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, the main thing as college students is just finding the time that works for you. You know, because we're so busy. Like, I feel like I'm going from one thing to another. Like, I have meetings all throughout the day, you know. So, like, I have to strategically plan when I'm going to have time to go to the gym. Totally, totally. So it probably doesn't make a huge difference what time of the day you work out, but it's really interesting to look at. That's super interesting to me. That's super interesting. Because that's something you just don't, like, uh, you don't really take into consideration as much, or at least I haven't personally. Like, I've never really thought, like, oh, maybe this, like, consider the science of, like, oh, working out at this point of the day versus this point of the day, there's actually more benefits to this. Yeah. And, I mean, like, if aren't we all just trying to, like, optimize our health if, if we're working out at all? Absolutely. So, like, might as well do it the best way. Absolutely. That's cool. That's really yeah. cool. Um, the other thing I'm seeing here is um, exercising on an empty stomach. Mm. Typically, if you work out really early, you probably haven't eaten yet. So... Um, You've probably heard of intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. I know some roommates in this house have have done it. Um, I don't know if you have. A little bit, a little bit. I don't think I was doing it necessarily correctly, though. I was doing it, uh, my buddy Nate Cooper, uh, he told me to, he told me to try it out, um, I think it was four-hour increments that I would eat, and I ended up losing way more weight. That Like, I lost 15 pounds in 15 days. Wow. Which is way more than I wanted to lose. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So I was crazy. like, okay. But I've, I, so the, the correct way to do it is eight hours throughout the day, right? That you, like an eight-hour window that you're allowed to eat. So there's a little flexibility on the actual times of it. Okay. Um, but the, you, 
what I believe is that you want to try to hit 16 hours of fasting time, which leaves eight hours to eat, like you said. Okay. So you have, say, noon to 8, 8 p.m. You're eating for those eight hours, and then you wouldn't eat until noon the next day. The same amount of calories that you would eat. The exact same amount of calories. Okay. Right. So you're eating, say, you eat 3,000 calories a day mm-hmm. in 12 hours. Okay, let's eat that in eight hours. And then let's let's fast for the rest of the 16. Okay. And all that allows you to do is your body goes into a fat-burning state because it's burned through your carbs, it's burned through your protein, it's burned for, through your sources of energy. Okay. And your body is forced to burn fat for energy. During those so, 16 hours. Absolutely. So especially once you hit hour 12, mm. hours 12 to 16, you're burning fat like crazy. So that's why you lost so much weight is because... You had so much time to burn fat. You said you would eat four hours, so you'd be fasting for 20? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, realistically speaking, if I lost that much weight in that short of, like duration of time, then I probably wasn't eating as many calories as I would have been consuming like like previously. Yeah. So it, it probably it probably really was uh, being in that, uh, that instead of doing the eight-hour increments. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's it's a huge trend right now. It's crazy. Um, and somebody was telling me the other day that their doctor told them that two diets that are popular right now are actually healthy for you. Like, the entire medical community uh-huh. agrees on the diets, and it's keto, and it's intermittent fasting. I've heard a lot about the both. Uh, yeah, wow, absolutely. Okay. And I've heard of people combining them, too. Mm. Um so it's super interesting. A lot of people, though, use intermittent fasting as a way to, like, eat a pizza in their eating window okay. or go eat a bunch of burgers because they, they think, oh, I'm going to be burning all this fat and losing all this weight anyway. I can eat whatever I want. Use it as an excuse to eat. Shit. Right, right, which is true to an extent. You're going to burn it, but at the same time, you want to be putting fuel into your body mm-hmm. that's going to make you feel good. You know, you are what you eat. You really are. So if you're eating a bunch of burgers... You're gonna, you're not gonna feel too hot. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, I did it myself for uh-huh. two months. Oh, very um, cool. Yeah, and was able to. I think I lost, you know, five pounds. Not a ton of weight, but built a ton of lean muscle. That's which awesome. Which is really cool to see your body transform like that. Just changing what times of the day you eat. That's so you only did intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I was hitting my, my calorie numbers. Um, mm. The hardest part of it was eating that much in that short period of time. You know, I'm like okay. scarfing potatoes and chicken breast and broccoli and rice like crazy. Like uh-huh. you have to eat so much in such a short amount of time. And it actually hurts to chew. <laughs> really? So I know some people actually get a blender and will just throw their food in the blender and blend that up. That's gross. I, I'm not about that. I can't person. do it. I can't do I it. Absolutely it. I not. Respect it. Sure. Mad respect to those guys. Wow. <laughs> oh, good for you though. That's awesome. Because that, that does sound like a ideal, like losing just maybe a few pounds, especially if you're trying to cut. Like if that's your goal. Right. That sounds really awesome. Yeah. So 15 pounds in 15 days. How did you feel? Did you feel really weak and groggy? I wouldn't say so, no. I, I, I mean, maybe at times, uh, but I never really felt like I was starving myself. I was eating a ton in those four hours for sure. But okay. even then, I was still, uh, like I said, I still don't think I was eating enough, even 
four hours is not much time to eat yeah. as many calories as you want to eat. So, right. Yeah, I, I I did feel uh the mental clarity because my my buddy the the same friend I was talking about before he's mm-hmm. the one who like got me into it, and uh, he was he was saying how you would feel like a lot of like mental clarity because it, it does it boost adrenaline like naturally or or it lowers insulin levels which I think makes that, you I think feel that's the deal. like yeah. less less drowsy. Sure, I think so. Okay, I definitely uh, I liked that. I liked that element a lot. You kind of feel lighter. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good feeling. Interesting. Um, they say that a pound, one to two pounds a week, is the is the healthy amount of weight to lose. Okay. Now I don't know if that still stands if a three hundred fifty pounder starts to lose weight. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're way far gone, it's probably okay to lose ten pounds a week because you need to. Right. You have that extra weight to lose. Um, the interesting thing about weight loss is that it's all about your caloric intake being less than what you're burning. Okay. Right? So you want to consume less calories than what you're burning throughout the day, doing your workouts or doing whatever you do. Um, So they say a pound of fat is 3,500 calories. Okay? So if you're able to cut what would that be, 500 calories a day for seven days? That'd be the 3,500 total. That'd be a pound of fat a week lost. Oh, wow, okay. Right? So if you eat 300 less calories and go for a run and burn 200 calories a day, that's your 500 calories. It's a healthy way to do it. Right, yeah, and that's a pound a week. And if you want to double that, 7,000 calories, you're decreasing your intake per day by... A thousand, which would be a little harder to do. So that's you but, were around about a, a pound a week. If you two yeah. plus, okay, okay. So maybe a little bit more, or yeah. a, little, a little less. But that's that's awesome. Five pounds in two months, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it really is that simple. It's a pretty interesting concept. Wow, that really is. It, I feel like it'd be uh, simpler too, because it's like, okay, what time is it? Okay, I can't eat now. Right. But I, um, I have this amount of time that I guess. It, Take a little bit of preparation, but yeah, totally worth the benefits. Absolutely, that's cool that you kind of tried it out too. Incorrectly, yeah. Incorrectly, <laughs> yeah. I think he was uh, he was very into jujitsu too. So he was uh, he was, I think he was wanting to be like extra light for whatever reason as well. Okay, because that's definitely the way he likes to do it. Is uh, he likes to cut like as much as possible. Sure. Oh, I did want to ask you that. Um, is there as much weight cutting in jiu-jitsu as there is in wrestling and other fighting sports? I think with MMA there is. And my my buddy was explaining, uh, my buddy, I this, the, the guy I was explaining earlier, the amateur uh, flyweight, yeah. he he was explaining the, the nuances between cutting in MMA and wrestling. I can't remember exactly what it was. I'm pretty sure in MMA those, I'm pretty sure it was like 24 hours before. What, what was wrestling like? The weigh-in for us was, like, right before the competition. So you would weigh okay. in, and then you would stuff your face right after, right? And uh-huh. the competition would be, you know, a couple hours later, at the meet. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, so we always had bagels on deck. Bagels and fruit. That's intense, wow. Yeah. 
I love that your your body's gonna metabolize it real quick, and you're not gonna feel like bloated after like cutting for that long. Right, because you're so depleted. True. Yeah. That's sure. interesting. That's really interesting. I never had to do it, but watching what some of the guys on the team went through uh-huh. um, in the years after I stopped wrestling was crazy. I mean, there was a dude who his abs came out so strong because he had lost. I think it was he had to lose. 40 pounds that wrestling season. What, what was he had before? I can't remember the exact numbers. I want to say he was like 180, and he had to get down to 140. Wow. And he did it in a couple months. Wow. Yeah. So, like like I said, a pound to two pounds a week is the healthy amount of weight loss. That is so bad for your body. goes out the window. Right. To be losing weight like that is so crazy. Wow. Just depleting your body, starving yourself, like. That's absolutely insane. Yeah. <laughs> but to to answer your original question, I never, I personally have never gone through like any weight cutting or anything like okay. that. Because uh, I, I never competed with jujitsu, but I, I definitely have a lot of respect for anybody who's going to put in that amount of like effort and discipline into their sport. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. It's great. You really got to care about it. True. To yeah. be able to do that, to your, sacrifice your body for your sport, especially in high school. So it's a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting to see how they um, strategically use water intake too. Um, so like right before the weigh-in, they'll uh-huh. drink a ton of water, a ton of water, and then like day or two before, throw on the sweatsuit and start doing cardio and just lose all that water weight. Um, and you could lose ten pounds in a day, wow. shedding water weight. Wow. Yeah. Ten pounds in a day. Sure. Yeah. Pretty crazy. So you just the the idea is you just want to sweat as much as possible or drink as much as possible the day before, and then sweat as much as possible. Or in the, the, or in the weeks day? leading up, yeah. Okay. Sweat like crazy right before. Wow. Yeah. I never had to do it, so I'm not um, super. I don't not super knowledgeable on it, but watching these dudes drink the amount of water they would do, you know, a gallon of water in each hand. Like, wow. That's insane. It's crazy. Yeah. But I know, like, I like to, like, put, like, like I'll, I'll go to, like, the hot tub to stretch, like, down at, at the rec center. Mm-hmm. And then I'll go from there to the sauna. And I, like, it, I definitely lose a fair amount of water in that time. And uh, I, like, I feel a little bit drained sometimes. So I can only imagine oh, yeah. if I was, like, wanting to cut, like, 10 pounds <laughs> yeah. in a day. Yeah. Like, like, there's no way that's good for your mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the fact that these guys could do that and then go on the wrestling mat and remember all the techniques and all the moves and execute. And they're that drained. Right. It's so amazing to me that they're able to do that. Impressive sport. It's impressive what the human mind can do, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. Just forcing yourself to do things. Like, the the mind is so powerful. You... um, see videos on Facebook of guys who run 200 mile races that's insane know? right and you I, like I don't know if you would ever think about doing that but I would never put my body through a 200 mile run and the fact that there's guys who have the mental capacity to at mile 100 when they're their feet are cracked and they're bleeding mm. and their calves are cramping they're like alright I'm halfway just keep going just got to keep going. 
Oh. Like that is so amazing to me. That's wild. Yeah. There's a, there's this dude I'm really uh, I really like and he oh with his name's David Goggins and he's an ex Navy SEAL and he's done that. It's called like the what is it like the Mo? I think it's called the Moab 240 or something like that. I, that sounds right. Moab here. There's yeah. There's some the Moab 240 endurance run. Five days and 240 miles to complete it. I'm pretty sure it's, yeah, it's in the desert. It's in the middle of the desert. It's in the Moab? Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not 100% positive if this particular individual, like, his name's David Goggins. I don't know if David Goggins did the Moab 240, but uh, he did something very similar, like ran, like, an insane distance. And he said at one point, uh, he didn't do any training for this, but for to get, like, registered or, like, to, to make, like, cut, basically... He was like 30 miles short, and he had to force himself to run. And uh, I think he, he fell down at one point, and he was like, I, I'm not positive, but I think he was peeing blood. And then he had, he somehow was able to force himself to run the next 30 miles. And he said, like, he, he said it, he, like, tapped into something. And he said it was almost spiritual, like, how he was able to, like, just pull through that and, like, how determined he was. And he's... That's that's just insane. It's insane. Doing a terrible do- job explaining it as well as he did, but it's yeah, it's absolutely insane. I think I've heard the story as well. Really? Yeah. I mean, I just can't imagine being in that much pain and I'm just gonna keep going. It's crazy. Like that takes you have to train your mind. You're training your body. You're training your mind when you're doing stuff like that. True. Amazing guys. Absolutely. Well, to switch up the topic, when was the last time you did something for the first time? Wow, good question. That's a, that's a Drake line, by the way. Uh. That's, a, that's a question I like to ask myself, like every once in a while. Like, like if I get like if life starts to get really lackluster for me, I'm like, damn, when was the last time I tried something new? But that, that's just me personally. And I, I was looking at your Instagram before, and I was like, this guy's an adventurous dude. This guy's <laughs> doing an adventurous a lot of guy. things for the first time. Yeah, that's. I haven't asked myself that question in a long time, but after the summer is the perfect time. Um, I did a bunch of stuff for the first time. So you went skydiving. Yeah, that's where I was going to go first. That's amazing. Have you done it? I haven't, no. Man, it's like, I did it with my brother. It was my, my birthday present to my brother for his 18th birthday. Okay. I turned 21 on June 2nd, and then he turned 18 on June 18th. It was his oh. golden birthday. Okay. So I was like, hey, man, let's go skydiving. So we went on the 23rd of June, um, and we actually had to wait out this rainstorm. Um, There's cloud cover, so you can't take that little rinky-dink plane up there with all that cloud cover. You can't be jumping through clouds and stuff. Sure, it would be kind of scary, yeah. Yeah, and apparently when you're skydiving in the rain, when you see a picture of a raindrop, uh-huh. how it's pointy at the top, you're, you're hitting the raindrops. You're falling faster than the raindrops. And apparently it hurts. It's like little knives stabbing your skin. I would definitely believe that. Like, like just for example, something I can relate to in my personal life is like I was driving the other day and I was sticking my hand out the window. It was like just I guess the force of the rain coming down and then the force of the car. But it was I felt the stabbing pain. Like so, I'm only imagining that like amplified. Right. In the face too. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And it like leaves little red marks all over your neck and your face. Um, yeah. So they're like, no way, we can't go up. Um, Fortunately, we were there was a break in the clouds, like a 30-minute break, 
And so me and my brother pile into this little rinky-dink plane, and it's so, like, small, and I guess the motor isn't powerful enough to just shoot straight up like a commercial plane. Okay. And so you, like, circle. You circle the whole way up. Oh, wow. And so you're, like, slowly getting higher and higher and higher. Wow. And they have the readers that tell you, like, how high you are on, uh-huh. the, on the wrist. Oh, really? Um, okay, so cool. we get to, like... I'm like, wow, we are high up here. And I'm like, hey, how high are we? And they're like, 4,000 feet. I was like, all right, let's keep going. So you get up there, and basically they're like, okay, in a minute, we're going to open this door. I'm going to step outside. You're going to put your foot right next to mine, and you're going to chicken wing and just lean, and we're gone. So the door opens. The wind's like flying through the so you, plane. you take it on sideways? Like you fall sideways? Yeah, um, the guy's strapped to your back because uh-huh. it's a tandem jump. Uh-huh. I think you have to tandem jump like three or four times before you can totally jump, jump on your own with professionals that jump with you. But yeah, they're strapped to your back, and there's a little stool or a little step outside uh-huh. the plane. So he steps there, and you just step right there with his foot and lean, and then he just pushes, and you're gone. Wow. And you're free-falling. And... That the first like second of the fall where you're like, oh my god, what am I doing? Is the most amazing feeling. Your stomach doesn't drop like you would expect. Uh huh. Um, and you hit free fall speed, and it's just so freeing. You know, it's just you're just floating through the sky. I like that word to describe freeing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You, and like in the moment, nothing else matters, and it's like. You feel so much joy. I don't even know why. You know, it's just fun. And uh, the adrenaline rush is insane. And we only free-falled for like 15 seconds, and then you pull the chute, and then you just get to float down and see the views. Wow. And it was really cool. And then as we float down, I, I look behind me, and there's a giant storm cloud, like, rolling in. So we literally, like, hit the gap perfectly. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah were you kind of scared about that? Like... You know, I, into it. I thought I would be. Uh-huh. I really did. And, like, I would watch videos and I would read about it um, in the weeks leading up to it just to kind of prepare myself mentally for it because uh-huh. I thought I was going to be terrified. But my brother at 18 was like, yeah, I'm not nervous. Like, no problem. And that helped me so much to be like, oh, yeah, this is no problem at all. So neither one of us had really any fear at all. What it's, about once you got up there? Um, A little. A little just, like, weary. Like, I, you think for a second, like, oh, what if he didn't put the chute in there? Right. <laughs> the chute doesn't pull. What if? What if like, this doesn't happen? Me and this guy are going down together. Like, for a second I thought that, but then I was like, no way. Like, What if he has it out for me? Yeah. Right? <laughs> I feel, I've always felt like I would uh, not be too fearful, like, leading up, and then, like, once actually getting up in the plane and, like, looking out of the plane door with, like, like, like being in a plane with no plane door, I feel like uh, I would I would get very sketched, but then be like, you know what, fuck it, like I'm, we just got to do it, we right? Gotta do it. You've gotten that far. Exactly. You're already strapped in. You can't say no. You just gotta go. True. Absolutely. That's kind of the mindset. Is once you're in the plane, it's like, all right, we're doing this thing. I'm gonna go jump out of an airplane. Why not? That's awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So it's pretty sweet. And then you pay, like, I think it was $92, and you get the photos and the video of it, which is pretty cool. On top of the original fee? Yeah. Okay. I think to go skydiving pretty much anywhere in the U.S. is going to run you, like, 250 For the pictures as well, or? 
an extra, I don't know what other places okay. charge. We paid 92 extra, so it was like 340 Okay, okay. Total for everything. That's definitely I think, yeah, yeah, I think it's worth it. Yeah, it was sweet. I always thought it'd be really cool to get, like, certified to be able to do that on a daily basis and get, like, get yeah. comfortable jumping out of an airplane. That do it for a wild. job. Yeah. Just jump out of planes every day. That would be really cool. Absolutely. And just, like, watching people's response to it. You know, like, seeing them land and just seeing their excitement and their adrenaline rush, and you're like, yes! Like, it's kind so of the concept, great. like, like I always really enjoy doing something I've done a million times with somebody that's, like, a novice to it. It's, so like, it's their first time doing it, but you get to appreciate it kind of how you got to appreciate it your first time. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like for example, showing somebody around Missouri State's campus, like, that's somebody that's never been there before. Maybe they're thinking about their college visit, and they're like, wow, that's really cool, and you're like... That is cool, but I walk past there every single every day, single day. and I take it for granted. That really is cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. We walk by Glass Hall. Amazing building, right? And it's been there for, what, six months? I think it finished. Maybe not even six months. It's, pr- it's fairly new, but it's, I feel like I already walk by it every day and don't think twice about it. True. True. If I were to, and I remember seeing it for the first time, like seeing the completed building, it was like, wow. Just being in awe, like, wow. Yeah, like, this is so cool, I get to go to school here. And all the build-up to it, because they, they did construction on that for a while. Long time. <laughs> or the fountain, too, time. like, like I, I don't even look over the fountain half the time, either. Uh-uh. No, I see that you dance in it sometimes, though. I did. He saw that. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah it's pretty awesome. That was. Uh, I did you ever meet the Australian guys when they were going here? I don't think so. Okay, so there were like these two Australian dudes, and uh, this is when I was living in the Capasig like house, and they would pretty much just come over every single day, and oh, um, uh, they they oh, dude, these these guys just had a massive impact in my life. They made me like so much more like open minded and like just thinking like about like how vast and big this world really is and yeah the different perspectives they have but yeah that was uh that was me him and then jacob pridey if you know pridey oh yeah yeah oh yeah that's awesome man i think i know who you're talking about um uh, originally i was gonna study in australia oh, wow. last spring um, like, I was all registered for classes, like, ready to fly to Tasmania. Like, let's do Ooh, this. Oh, wow. And I so reached out. in Tasmania? Yeah. Really? Wow. At um, Tasmania University. No way. Yeah. Um, I don't know anything about Tasmania. That's that's really cool. Yeah, it's super exotic. I know there's a lot of creatures, snakes and tarantulas, and I don't know if there's kangaroos in Tasmania. Okay. Because it's an island off of Australia. Totally, totally. Which is pretty cool. But yeah, I reached out to those guys to like talk to them about Australia and get their advice on things that I should do and stuff. Um, but I never followed through, never met the guys, and then I didn't even end up studying in Australia. Um, it's just super expensive. Oh, really? I'm sure they told you about it. Australia is a very expensive place to live. I've heard because all the imports and everything have to be a lot more overpriced. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's a 23-hour flight to Australia from Lambert Airport in St. Louis. So the idea of being that far from home and things being that expensive kind of freaked me out, honestly. So I kind of backed out. And for four months, you know, it's not like a short-term trip. Like, Uh this is four months in Australia. (laughs) That would be crazy, man. Well, it sounds like it worked out for you. 
on the on the upside because you you where did you uh would you like to talk about your trip over the summer sure man yeah so when australia fell through um basically the main reasons were it was, it was too long and it was too expensive okay um so i wanted to find a way to still travel a little bit because my mom did in college and really really advocates for it um so I started looking into short-term programs, uh, and there was a short-term study abroad program through Missouri State over the summer. It was 10 days, um, 11 days total with travel and everything, and it was to Europe. It was the UK, France, and Spain, more specifically London, Paris, and Barcelona. Um, in that order? In that order. London, Paris, Barcelona. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, and they're a lot more different than you would think, too. You think Europe... As Americans, we're like, oh, yeah, it's all kind of the same over there. Right. But they're so different. Like, they're so culturally diverse, even inside their, their cities. Um, so basically it was, it was me and 14 other Missouri State students. Okay. Um, a couple faculty, uh, four members of faculty. Um, Nine-hour flight, land in London, and then it's like you don't even really think about it. You know, you land and it's just like 10 days. It goes so fast. Oh, I bet. Being abroad. Um, and you learn so much and you're seeing so much and di trying to digest so much so quickly. Like, I would love to spend so much more time there. Um, but yeah, London was amazing. It's a cultural melting pot, man. There's, I mean, there's people from everywhere. Very cool. Um, one night we actually went out to a, a club called Tiger Tiger. Uh, me and like four of the other students that were there, popping, good time. Really? Yeah, but all like foreign music. Um, so we didn't know any of the any of the songs, like Spanish songs. Oh, foreign music. Yeah, yeah, all the okay. music they played. It was still like EDM, like club music, but it was all like foreign songs. So that was that was really interesting. And you would look around I would the like club. That. I would I would want to like not know the music. Oh you yeah, know? like if they're like playing yeah. some Drake or something. I'd be like, come on. Come I think on. there there definitely was some Drake. I, I'd be cool with like a few songs I knew, uh, but like most of it, I'd want to be like like new to me. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool. And then, like, Despacito and Bailando. And, you know, like, the... I don't know. I guess those are... I don't know where those songs came from. I don't know if it's Mexico or Puerto Rico or wherever. I'm not sure. Yeah, much. I don't know. But, yeah, it was really cool. And you look around this club and there's... You can... T like, you hear the different languages and you see, like, people look so different. It's so diverse and it's so crazy. Wow. Like, in contrast to going to Boogie here, and it's 500 white college kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a bar all doing the same thing. You know, it's so cool to, to see how different that is. And everybody's how, still getting along super well. Absolutely. There was We're 10 bad. fights at Boogie the other night, and there wasn't a single fight in this in this club with people That's from cool. all over the world. You know, so that, that was really cool. We vibing. We vibing. <laughs> That's right. So... Yeah, London was cool, super old, mixed with super new. That's so, cool. Yeah, so um, I'll show you some pictures later, but you walk through London, and then there's there's the Tower Bridge, which okay. is, you know, built in, I don't even know, 1400s or something like Can't that? Yeah, I pull a picture. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. The Tower Bridge? The Tower Bridge, yeah. You said this was built in 1400? No, 1886. 1886. Okay, wow. <laughs> so there's a castle next to it. Um, 
that is super, super old. Um, that was like built in the 1600s or something like that. But anyway, you see something like this. That'd be so cool to see. Sorry to cut you off. The, the royalty, yeah. like to see like like the royalty of just, uh, I guess, the lineage of the history of the place. Yeah. Yeah, pretty that's sweet. really cool. So to see stuff like that that's, that's old um, and has so much history and the architecture so different than what we see here in America. And then um, right next to it mm -hmm. is like brand new condos and brand new office buildings. Um, the Shard is this thing we went up into. It's the tallest building in the UK. It's like, okay. it's like 90 stories tall or something like that. Wow. Um, and it's brand new. You know, it's all glass. Massive skyscraper? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. And it's right next to the Tower Bridge. And there's all kinds of buildings like that. Um, and then you see Big Ben. So much history behind so Big Ben, the big clock tower. With the, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I didn't, yeah. I didn't realize I was in London. Actually. Yeah. So with, with uh, the old versus the new, is the, does it seem like inequality? Or is it just, just that's all it is, just old and new? Like both, both kind of being nice. Oh yeah, I mean London is is a pretty well kept city. It's, okay, it's fairly clean, um, so both are are very nice. It's just you don't see old in the states. You know our country is two hundred fifty years old. True. So you don't see you don't see old buildings like that. Uh, to so to see that in contrast with skyscrapers that we're used to, super interesting. Um, that's really cool to think too, because it's like, wow, I'm standing here. Like there was somebody standing here this many years yeah. ago. This many years ago, and Absolutely. you can go so much further back versus like, I don't know, like like L.A. It's like like a hundred years ago, like tops. Yeah, still really cool to think about. Yeah. Now you walk through those castles and you're reading about the kings that lived or slept in this room, and it's like, whoa, that's crazy. Wow. Like the king of of Europe or or the king of England stayed in this room 500 years ago like, wow it's crazy super cool concept that's wild to think about that really is cool to think about yeah yeah so that was kind of my favorite part of london is uh, one the diversity of the city okay and then two seeing the old and the new contrast more so than paris and barcelona more diversity i think so okay. yeah yeah, um, that's it. there was quite a bit of diversity in paris too that's interesting because if i if i had to guess I probably, I probably would have guessed Paris out of all of those. Like, I, I just wouldn't, uh, a better way to word that is I wouldn't have guessed London being so, like, diverse. I, yeah. I just would have guessed, like, very, uh, very white, very British. Uh, I, it kind of depends on, on what part of the city you're in. Because, mm, like, okay. we went to the business district one day. I visited a couple businesses, and that area was definitely very white. Like, white okay. dudes walking around in suits. That's pretty much what you get, you know? Um... Yeah, just kind of depended on what part of the city you were in. That's sick. That's really cool. Um, so you were talking about the diversity in Paris? I yeah. Cut you off, sorry. Yeah, no, it's totally fine. Paris is, especially the Eiffel Tower, super touristy, and there's people everywhere, um, and you you have to be really aware of what's in your pockets because there's pickpocketers everywhere too. So if you're like shuffling through a crowd, you never know when somebody could snag something. Wow. So you you have to be super aware of your surroundings. Okay. Um, I think that's super important if you go abroad anywhere. Even here in Springfield, Mo, be aware of what's going on. Good point. Know? I never think about that. I yeah. never think about that. I know, because nothing has gone wrong and you get comfortable. True. But True. Well really, said. yeah.
Absolutely. I would love to like like put a note in my pocket, like put like a fake wallet or something with a note in my pocket that says "fuck you" or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Have a fake wallet going on. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> or and like intentionally just always keep it a little like like out of your pocket, a little exposed. That would have been a good idea for Paris. I wish <laughs> I would have come up with that. Or or the the splatter stuff. You know, like whenever they they open up, like they put them in um the bags of uh like like money if people rob a bank. The stuff that the ink that explodes yeah. in your face. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I almost they actually a couple pickpocketers almost got me in Paris. We were leaving some basilica. Some badass basilica that's giant and you can go to the top and see all of Paris. No. But uh these guys outside they have a string and they come up to you and they put the string on your finger and they're like, Watch, watch, watch and I was being a dumbass and I was like, Okay, <laughs> like ready to watch his trick and my friends were like no no like keep moving keep moving and you turn around and it's like five guys just like waiting for the right moment they're really good they're trained at this stuff are they sneaky and sly or are they are they like gonna beat the shit out of you I, they're sneaky so okay. they, they try to distract you with stuff like oh watch this trick get your attention on and your then, finger zoop, yeah wow yeah and then grab your wallet or whatever it is that's in your pocket or your backpack I imagine these guys like snapping, like walking around like this. I don't know why. Like they all have like a, the old like 1920 hats. Uh, getting a little hop skippy. <laughs> They're walking up. They have some like jingle. They say like, "Do you want to get robbed?" It's <laughs> funny. Yeah. So I'm making Paris sound really bad. There's not the pickpockets aren't everywhere. Well, you're just telling, saying like what to be cautious. Yeah. Of, yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah, but it was. Paris was was cool too. It was it was honestly my least favorite out of the three. Really, uh, it was cool to see the Eiffel Tower. The highlight of Paris was sitting on the edge of uh, I forget what river it was. Sitting on this river with four friends with a blanket, baguettes, cheese, um, Italian meats, a couple bottles of wine, and just watching the sunset. That'd be cool. In a city like Paris. Wow. So. That's that's what made Paris really cool. I love finding like calmness and like serenity in like hectic places. Sure. I can definitely appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the French people that live in Paris feel that same way cuz you see them all down the side of the river. We went on a river cruise one night and there's people all down the side of the river who are looking for that peace in that hectic city like Paris. That's really cool. They really value the outdoors. Um and they value their wine. <laughs> okay. I can dig it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One night, we we all got our own bottle of wine, and we cracked mine open first, and everybody took a sip. And like, this isn't quite right. We look at the bottle, it says, sans alcohol, which means not alcoholic. Oh. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so I picked out a bottle of fruit juice. <laughs> it is what it is. Some Welch's fruit juice. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Sure. Well, didn't you, you mentioned before, too, that the uh, the sewage system in Paris was, like, pretty gross. Okay, so <laughs> they had these things on the side of the road, which were, like, urinals. <laughs> Just not like a porta potty though. Like, uh -huh. literally a urinal on the side of the street. <laughs> that people would just walk up and piss in and then keep walking. That's great. And one of them that was right by our hotel didn't have any kind of drainage system. So it just, like, poured into the canal behind the... 
Like you, you could see exactly where it was going. You could see, yeah. It was nasty. Yeah, so a lot of the streets there smelled like urine. Mm. I was very surprised. Um, lots of homeless people. No, really? Yeah. Did they have the um, worst homelessness out of all the three cities? I think so. Okay. I think so. But all three, it was definitely prevalent in all three cities. Okay. Which I was surprised to see. Um, that's one of the things that I learned, especially coming from Springfield, that we see it every single day. You go to the come and go down the street, and you're like, I'd say probably 50% of the time, there's a homeless person sitting outside of that gas station. Absolutely. And I didn't think it was that prevalent outside of the U.S. Right. And it definitely is. Wow. It definitely is. So, I mean, there's always going to be people in the world who can't quite figure it out, who either don't care or have some kind of mental disability. You know, there's always going to be people who can't make the money and end up on the street. Yeah, true, true. No matter where you're from. So that was really interesting to see, too. That's, uh, yeah, that's a whole economic topic. That's, that's yeah, it's sad, but yeah, is what it is. The difference, though, is the homeless people here, uh-huh. well, they're kind of aggressive. You know, they'll, like, come up to you and be like, hey, hey, like, can I have a dollar for whatever, whatever? They have their excuses. Very persistent, too. Sure, yeah. They're, um, actually, in Barcelona, the homeless people will get on their hands and their knees and just place a cup on their head. Really? Like, it, would, it looks like they were praying, right, with just a cup on their head like they're completely and utterly hopeless just on their hands and knees and it was all of them so I guess that's kind of the custom there that's how they beg so they just place the cup on their head wow so that was a huge contrast with Springfield Boogans yeah (laughs) yeah that was crazy to see wow are they are they on any drugs there like cause I, I know uh, typically speaking with like poverty here in the United States it's really associated to have uh, them like on drugs or like it seems like all of them are on crack or meth here right you see them like stumbling around downtown you can tell they're on something exactly um, I don't think I saw anything like that uh, but I'm sure really? I'm sure it's prevalent you know I'm uh-huh. sure because they they're living on the streets you know if you're living on the streets I think you're typically searching for some kind of escape right true or that true. escape is what got you there in the first place you know so yeah, we'll I'm, sure, I'm sure it's there I don't know if drug use is as big in Europe as it is in the US mm. I didn't talk to anybody about it but I know I know uh, isn't MDMA really popular over there with the like the the culture like, especially in, like, the rave culture? Yeah, maybe. maybe. Like, possibly in comparison to, like, the U.S. I, I feel like I've heard that before. Yeah, I'm not sure. But it would make sense. After going to some of the clubs down there, I would be surprised if some <laughs> people are running around on MDMA. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, man, the club we went to in Barcelona, those people never sleep. Really? We knew it going in. We were told that, if, like, people in Barcelona stay out till 4, 5, 6 in the morning. And it's so cool that these are, like, cultural things. Like, all these little yeah. tiny details. Absolutely. Yeah, they're all so different. And I, like, didn't expect that at all going in. It makes you realize how big and diverse the world is. Absolutely. So those Austra- Australian guys kind of gave you an idea of that, too. But, Absolutely. 
yeah, it's it's really crazy. It's really important to see that too, because then it start you start questioning like your own like maybe like your habits or like your own like beliefs or whatever it may but might be. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I th I think I have, I've definitely done that a little bit um, from that experience. Uh, Barcelona was the best though, man. Really. On the last day, we rented a sailboat and sailed the Mediterranean Sea off the coast of Barcelona and like you can see all of Barcelona from from the coast. Oh, I and that's beautiful. It's amazing. Wow. It's absolutely amazing. I mean, the water is beautiful, the city is beautiful and it's it's awesome. Pretty clean too? Yeah, Barcelona was super clean. Okay. And there was a lot less people. Oh, really? Apparently it's not always like that. I talked uh -huh. to an English lady on the plane who said usually it's it's packed. Um but they, Europeans go on like month-long vacations. I've heard that. I've heard they travel a lot more. Apparently, August is kind of uh, Barcelona or Spain's traveling. They call it holiday. They're on holiday. Mm, and they okay. go for like a whole month. Very cool. Um, I would say though, if you get seasick at all, sailing on the Mediterranean is rough. Oh really? <laughs> it's choppy. Yeah. So. Some some people got sick on the boat. That like puking sick? Uh, pretty close. I don't think anybody ended up puking, but okay. it's it's rough. I thought going in like, oh yeah, I'll be fine. Like I've been on boats before, I've been on a cruise ship, whatever. Uh -huh. But once you're actually like going up and down for three hours, oh wow, yeah, that would get exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> It's amazing what it does to your insides. See, I would, I'd be down to have that experience, like being. Well, obviously, I, I would love to sail in the Mediterranean. That sounds really cool. Yeah, but I'd be down to get seasick. I've never gotten seasick before. I know that sounds wild, but it'd be interesting to see what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. It Empathize was... with the people that get like that, like car sick or whatever, because mm -hmm. I've never been able to. I'm like, like suck it up, pussy. <laughs> Yeah, now I know. I had my experience. I'm good. I don't want to get sick okay, again. Okay. <laughs> See, I just got I got to experience it once, and then I'm good. Uh, I'll be right there with you. All right. Give it a go sometime. <laughs> I think Barca, Barcelona would be one of my top cities in Europe to visit if I had to choose. Yeah. Because I am a Barcelona soccer fan too. So okay. So they uh, that would that for that reason, and then just on top of the culture and like from the information I've gathered from like people traveling there and whatnot. Sure. It was my favorite. Really? It was the cleanest. The people were really, really nice. The Spanish people were, everyone was super loving. Had a couple taxi cab drivers that were amazing. Wow. Super friendly, you know, go on a 30 minute cab ride and talk the whole way. Wow. We're talking like politics. We're talking, um, cultural differences, like all these different things with taxi drivers. So it was, it was really interesting. That's cool. Um, and cool to be welcomed into a foreign country with open arms versus, like, you go to Paris, the French are known for being kind of sassy. Oh, really? And not, like, even with different European people coming mm. into France, they're still kind of standoffish with them. Really? So you definitely Do you think it's from it's that, like, prevalent? that, like, hubris they have? Like, aren't they really, they're not egotistical, but, like, uh... Very, very prideful in their country, and the French yeah. people kind of that way. Yeah. Do you think it drives from that then, maybe? I think so. Okay. They're prideful of their country, and they're prideful of their language. So a lot mm. of them, even if they know English, won't, <laughs> won't, talk, won't talk in English to you. Oh, that would piss me off. Yeah. Why. That, would, yeah. that would bother me. Yeah, it's pretty killer. But we made it. We made it home, so it's all right. Very cool. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was awesome. Have you ever been on an international flight at all? No. Well, I've been I've been to Jamaica, but I was like two years old, so I, I don't count it. So you remember? Not count it. Okay, so these planes are gigantic. Mm-hmm. Totally different than like a commercial plane that just flies from state to state in the U.S. Right. These international planes, um, some of them are two stories, which is crazy. They're like three times the size of the planes that I've seen. Wow. And there's like three different rows. There's TVs on your seat, and they it's have like a like, double decker plane. Yeah, wow. Ours wasn't double decker, but we saw some. Okay, um, they exist. They're out there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it'd be sick to go on one just Very to cool. see it. But yeah, it's crazy how nice they are, and they feed you meals on the plane and stuff. That was. There's another uh, thing I've done for the first time. There, yeah, there you go. Back to the first question. And it's crazy how like you go to Europe, you see all these things, and here I am talking about. The TVs and the meals on the plane, you know, little stuff like that is super cool. That is really cool to me too. That the little stuff that you pick up on, yeah, just different ways of doing it. Absolutely. They, maybe you prefer the, the. I know in Japan they have those things that squirt up your butt instead of toilet paper. Yeah, like I, I, that's just a random example. Oh, what are those called? Uh, they had them in Barcelona too. Oh really? Yeah. What, what would you say? Used like, it that man. or toilet paper? What would you choose? Was it uncomfortable? Toilet paper, just because it's what I know. Absolutely. The um, roots. The roots. Man, I'll be honest with you, I was pretty drunk, and I was like, I'm giving this thing a <laughs> <Just> <laughs> It's pretty weird. <laughs> it's a pretty bit. strange feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Gets the job done, though. There you go. <laughs> yeah, if it started penetrating, I'd be like, all right, too far, too yeah, far. Yeah. <laughs> hey, your mom will teach you better. No, it's a, it's a nice, calm stream. No, not <laughs> okay. penetration. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. Highly recommend. I recommend that more than getting seasick just to experience it. Okay. Yeah. I'll take that. I would definitely take that over seasick yeah. for sure. Yeah. But I want to experience them both. I'll be honest. Yeah. Also, I want to see, like, poverty. I want to see, like, real poverty. I know it sounds kind of... I've, I've literally been laughed at for saying that before, but to see, like, I don't know, just to gain the perspective of, like, wow this is how some people live yeah like that's as long as there there were i took the necessary precautions of not getting sick then i think that'd be a really interesting and humbling experience sure yeah it would really make you aware of how blessed you are to have the things you do um and the little things being able to have a car regardless of how nice it is being able to live in this house um, air conditioning absolutely that's a big thing man air conditioning is amazing um, once you've experienced uh, trying to sleep somewhere in a hot city with no AC uh-huh. you realize how awesome air conditioning is and we take those things for granted yeah true you know um, to be able to like not take those for granted even though that's like at this point in time it's all I've known and I, I still feel like you could still like be grateful for those things regardless but like if you really gain that perspective of how the rest of the world lives, like it could be a little bit easier to access that that gratitude for life and basic necessities. Absolutely. Um, I took a trip to Puerto Rico this summer too on a mission trip. No way! You went to Puerto Rico. As yeah, well? yeah. Very cool. Pretty cool. Um, but that actually lines up perfectly with what you're talking about because they got hit by was it Hurricane. Maria? I'm not sure. I think it was Hurricane Maria that hit Puerto Rico. I should know this. <laughs> this is recently too, right? 
Yeah. Um, last September. So coming up on a year ago. Oh, wow. I think it was Maria. Um, but yeah, so their houses over there have been devastated, like completely washed away. And it's 100 miles wide by 30 miles long or whatever. And so it's a pretty... What, 100 pretty miles wide by 30 miles? So 100 miles long by 30 miles wide. Okay, totally. Right? It's, like a, it's like a rectangle. Okay. And the hurricane, like the eye went right across the middle of it. So it devastated the entire island. Like, oh, every, wow. Like, there was... You couldn't escape it. If you were on the island of Puerto Rico when Maria hit, uh-huh. there was no escaping it. Like, oh, you're wow. bunkered down in your house dealing with, I don't know, with the 175-mile-an-hour winds oh. was, was the highest winds. Yeah, and just rain beating down and your roof being ripped off. Like, I can't even imagine going through that. Um... So then it, it's over, and the island's destroyed, and it's like, okay, we got to rebuild. Wow. But they're a United States territory, and they're so far off the mainland that it takes so long to get resources. Okay. So. And they're depending on us? Not necessarily us. Um, they do have some help from FEMA, which is, what does FEMA stand for? It's like disaster relief, Federal Emergency Management Agency. Okay. Um, Is this an international service? It's it's you. It's a U.S. service. Okay. Okay. It's a U.S. organization. So they've been helping out a lot, but there's a lot of people in Puerto Rico who are squatters, and a squatter is basically someone who lives on the land that's been passed down um, from family members. Okay. Uh, that was given to them by the government. Okay, so originally given to an ancestor of them and then passed down through the lineage. Like a great-grandfather, and now they live in it. Um, So they don't own the land, they don't own the house, they don't pay for utilities or water, none of that. So FEMA won't help them because they don't own any rights to the land or their house. Uh So a government agency isn't going to go help them fix something they don't own. Wow. So that's where volunteers come in and missionaries come in is to help people who are unable to get help from FEMA. Okay, okay. Um, But really the main thing I learned from the trip, man, is what we were talking about, is seeing people with nothing, whose house is a pile of rocks in their backyard. No exaggeration, no roof. No roof. Wow. Yeah, some house is just gone. Just, like, scattered in a yard. Yeah, it was crazy. It's crazy, too, because, like... What, that had been, like, nine months after? Nine months after. That's absolutely insane. That means they, wow, they've been living like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And they have no clean water, no electric, again, no AC, which is an amazing thing to have. But they still have joy. Some of these people have so much joy. There was a group of teenagers from the neighborhood we worked in who came out and helped us. And we played basketball with him at lunch every day. Mm. And I speak very little Spanish. You dunk on him? Please tell me you dunked on these kids. They dunked on me. Oh! <laughs> they dunked on me. They showed us Americans how it's done. Very cool. Um, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's so cool to see how sports can unite people together, even if you can't communicate. Like, we speak different languages. And we connected with these dudes through basketball. That's really cool. Because, honestly, I always said if I was going, if I, I planned to backpack Europe at some point in life, 
uh, and hypothetically speaking, if that is to happen, then what I'll probably bring, or what I'll definitely bring, is some uh, some soccer shoes because that's it's like the universal language, especially in Europe, it'd be really prevalent. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm trash at soccer, so I'd be I'd be shit out of luck. <laughs> but you got basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's. That was pretty cool. You were saying how the sport united people. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. No, it's totally fine, man. Um, yeah, and they and they love it, you know, to see their joy. Their houses were actually okay. They were in pretty good shape. Okay. Um, one of the guys was not, though, and he was actually in his house all week working on his own house, working okay. with our team. Um, it was really cool to see this guy. At first, he was super weary. We're just kind of watch him work and stand on the outside. By the end of the week, he's in his house with a power drill, drilling out his bathroom floor, getting ready for a remodel. Um, so getting these people involved in their own, rebuilding their own community uh, was super cool. There was a guy... That'd be cool, rebuilding the joy within them. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See that shift in perspective and just uh, just attitude. Absolutely. Yeah, it was cool. Uh, it was very cool. This guy, there was a handful of guys from the community who, by the end of the week, you know, were jumping in on jobs. Right. Um, and taking control of their own lives, which was really, really awesome to be a part of. You're empowering people. Sure. That's what you're doing. Sure. Wow. Not, not only, I mean, obviously you're rebuilding, but you're really giving them that, that spark. Maybe, like... Who knows what that could have led to, you know, like the ripple effect off of that. Absolutely. Maybe they inspired somebody else after that. I mean, I don't know how it was down there, but that's yeah, what it sounds that's like. Yeah, that's kind of what it felt like. Yeah. And, I mean, hopefully that will just continue to happen because there's going to be a, thousands of teams that go through there. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, over the next, it's a five-year project that this organization is working with this specific community. So, I mean, yeah, that ripple effect... If they can get that to continue through the whole community, it's a, it's amazing what they could accomplish there. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty sweet stuff. So the beauty of it is it's empowering for you as the volunteer as well. Totally. You know, for me to see these people get empowered and to see their joy with, with nothing um, really opened my eyes and was a really empowering experience for me wow which i don't want to sound selfish you know because i was there for them absolutely but it was it's pretty cool what what doing things like that can do in your own life too well yeah yeah that's important as well i, I mean as long as you have good intentions it's not like you went down there for selfish reasons right. so it's, it's it's important that you got something out of it too yeah because then that that uh that reward's gonna maybe lead to lasting change or you being incentivized to do it again sure or to inspire somebody on this podcast to do it, you know? <laughs> I've never considered yeah, going on a mission trip. That sounds pretty cool. That sounds pretty sick. You honestly. should try it. I don't know if you're a religious man, but um, I wasn't going in. And, mm. um, like, even if you're not in it to go see God's love or evangelize God's kingdom or whatever, whatever your goal is, it's still, you still feel the love. Very yeah. cool. It's still a cool experience, yeah. I'd say my religious views are that we all go to hell. And we all rot in hell. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay, I was like, I'm going to leave now. <laughs> this guy's guy morbid, dude. I, 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 wow. <laughs> wow, I thought you were being serious. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> my, 
views that this is hell. We're living in hell now. Ooh. <laughs> Fuck this place. No, this place is alright sometimes. <laughs> That's funny. Actually, this is a... Do you want to... There's a pretty morbid story. And I don't know if you remember. This is the first night I remember meeting you. And it's it's pretty wild. But like, okay, you mentioned this, this, and I have no idea what you're talking about, so I'd love to hear it. Okay, just just understand that I don't know if I've ever told this story. I, I don't know if I've ever told this story on this podcast. Uh, this is a very significant event that happened in my life okay. that just so happened to be like the same night, at least the first time I remember meeting you. Okay. Okay, so, and it, again, I, I want to I wanna make sure as well... I'm not looking for, like, pity here. I mean, like, it, it'll probably feel bad that it happened, but, like, th- that's not my intentions. It's more so just, like, the fact that, like, I feel like if I were to encounter somebody when this happened in their life, like, I'd want to know about it, like, years later. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay, so. Okay. So, I don't know if you remember this night. You guys, it, you came over to Elias's house with Mikey Williams, and Christian Weirk was there, and uh, it was just, like, like, I think it was, and then Caleb Copeland and me. I think that was everybody that was there. And you guys all went to the hockey party, and Caleb and I walked back to his house. Okay. Do you remember this night? And there Not, was a fight at the hockey party, too. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that? I remember. Okay. What are you talking about? Okay, so that night, like right before you guys showed up, like probably 10, 15 minutes, I started. Okay, so I'll start from the beginning. I apologize. So I, I get off work around 5 p.m. It's Saturday, and. I, I get asked by Christian if I want to go over to his house and just hang out. And so I, I go over there. Then we end up walking up the street to Elias's house. And I'm sitting around uh, watching uh, some guys play beer pong. And then probably 10, 20 minutes before you guys show up, I start feeling very, very weird. Like very weird. And I didn't know why. Okay. Like very uncomfortable, very... Yeah, just weird's like the best way. Just Something off. was off. Yeah. Off. Yeah. yeah. And then you guys showed up, and I just remember, um, you you guys probably didn't even dwell on it too much, but I just remember I was like very awkward and not myself at all. Okay. And I remember meeting you, and you and Mikey, and I was just very like closed up and weird, and, and then I got really weird with everybody else in the room, and I, I just told Caleb, I'm like, honestly, man, like, wait, can we just go back to your house? Like, I... I I'm not feeling this hockey party at all. Like, I don't feel like doing anything. I feel like going back and just uh, kind of sitting around not doing much. So I go back there, hang out there for, like, another, like, 10, 20 minutes. Still feel really off. Trying to shove this feeling to the back of my head. Uh, I end up going back to my apartment and passing out. And then, yeah, so I, I passed out with that feeling still just as prevalent and as constant. And then I wake up the next morning, and usually, usually sleep helps, right? Like, especially if you're feeling off or a little weird, and yeah. some things, some variables might be out of your control with why you're, you're not feeling like yourself sometimes. So I just figured it was something like that. Um, so I go to bed, and I wake up on Sunday morning, and I'm still feeling off, like just as off. I go throughout my day. Uh, I think it went worked out, got some homework done. Um, yeah, just continue to get like try to have a productive day, but like regardless. I still had this very, very constant, prevalent feeling in the back of my head. I uh, went to bed the next night, woke up on Monday, hoping to feel better, waking up on Monday. Still didn't feel well. Wow. So at some point on Monday, I get a call from my mom that my uncle is missing. And I'm just like, 
oh shit. And it's it like the the amount of relief that I felt from that feeling, like like I I quit feeling that feeling because I consciously knew what to attach the feeling to on whatever I was dwelling upon. As soon as my mom said, Jordan, your uncle is missing and we didn't know much at that point. Yeah. So then I and I just felt I'm telling you, I just felt so much better, like significantly better. And then uh, the following day, we ended up finding out what happened was my cousin ended up murdering my uncle. This is this is wild. He he. So my cousin walked. Uh, he says that my uncle tried to pull a hammer on him or something, and then uh, he pulled a gun on him, shot him once, then walked over to him when he was on the ground, like, and shot him a few more times to put him out. Wow. Then left, came back at like 6 a.m. or 3 a.m. or something, some, in the middle of the night at some point, and then put his body in the back of his truck, took him to the other sar- side of our farm, and then lit his, uh, drenched his body in gasoline, and then lit him on fire, and then left. And then he ended up getting caught, so like, literally like, killed my uncle, and then my cousin's in jail now, so. Oh my god, dude, that's but, wild. Like, that happened, like, that feeling of like something being off happened the night that I met you so I, I just felt like like if, if that, I'd feel like I <laughs> wow like what I believe is that I was subconsciously dealing with the emotions and like uh, I guess grieving with with the uh, the raw emotions of what happened but I wasn't consciously aware of what had happened if that like of the yeah. actual event that makes sense. It's, I just, that's so crazy that subconsciously somehow you were aware of something that you didn't know yet. It, the weird thing, too, is my dad had dreams uh, of my uncle, like, being in danger. Like, enough to where he told him he should start carrying a gun on him. Like, my dad felt strongly enough about these dreams that he's like, have you considered, like, starting to carry a firearm? Like, something's off. And, like, this is this is weeks before. But wow, Yeah. That is so crazy. Isn't that crazy? That's a crazy story. It, Were you close with your uncle or cousin at all? Neither one of them, to be honest. Okay. Uh, uh, the, more so my uncle, not at all my cousin. Uh, but, yeah. like So, it wasn't... I, I would say I did the hardest part of the grieving, which it, it was... The whole process was hard, and it's not like... I wouldn't say it's necessarily like, like easy now, It's but it's resulted in a lot of conflict amongst the family, which kind of sucks, but... but uh, I would say most of the like emotional grieving and like the off feeling was dealt with before I was consciously aware of like what had happened. That's so wild. Is that weird? There's some kind of like spiritual connection or something going on there that you can't really explain. True, true. That's crazy. Uh, it's, it's it sounds really abstract, but like I I know it happened and I don't know. You hear about that a lot from mothers. Uh, if something's going on with their kid, like it's happened with me and my mom where something happened uh, that I won't go into, but my mom called me the next morning and was like, hey, is everything okay? Like, I had a strange feeling last night. Really? And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, don't worry about it, right? And I've heard it from from other people, too, say they've had experiences like that with their mom. That's crazy. some kind of, like, family connection that's, like, merging your your feelings together. Wow. I don't know. It's, It's a super strange... 
she, she could just tell something's something's not right. That's weird that she knew you out of like all her uh, her offspring too. You know? Yeah. Like she texted. Did she text like your brother or anything too? Or? No. no. That's crazy. Just me. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. This is this is kind of random, but uh, somewhat related. Uh, this is like a quote I heard about like the mother like child connection that I found kind of cool, and. Uh, so, so like intimate love is two people, like two separate people becoming one, and then a mother-child connection is two people becoming or one one person becoming two. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Is that kind of cool? It's like, yeah. like the exact opposite of uh, like intimate love or whatever. Sure, it's a completely different kind of love. True. Yeah. True. Yeah, that's a, that's a really cool way to look at it, for sure. It's kind of the same concept too. Is like. I don't know if you, like, this happens to you at all, but, like, have you ever, like, thought of somebody and then, like, maybe they'll end up texting you, like, within, a, like, a sure. little later or yeah. something? Yeah, 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 that absolutely happens to me, where I'm like, oh, I should probably text this person, and then, like, an hour later, they'll text me, and I'm like, whoa! That's wild. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So, I don't know if there's anything, like, bigger at work there, like, mending th- those things together, I don't know if it's coincidence but from your experience, that doesn't seem like a coincidence, you know? I don't think it was. Like, the, the feeling of relief is the evidence, all the evidence I need to, like, know definitively that, like, that's what went down. Like, sure. like that I, I knew before I knew. So, do you have any kind of explanation for it? Do you have any ideas, or is it just like, wow, that was weird, like, it is what it is? I... I would say pretty much what I said before, like that that I was consciously or subconsciously aware. Yeah. Like like so I like knew to deal with it emotionally, but not consciously aware of the event. But I would also argue that like going off of like people texting you and and all that, and this sounds very abstract, and there's not like a ton of like proof to to um, back this statement. But I just I just feel like we're all subconsciously interconnected in some some bizarre weird way that we don't fully understand sure yeah like a big intertwining web and we're all on it maybe that's what consciousness is you know maybe it'd be pretty sweet (laughs) that's it's interesting to think about it um think about what is consciousness it's such like a it's such an important concept but it's so unexplainable there's, there's no way to really really know you know um, yeah I love thinking about it. it it is wild to think and and all the things that can alter the experience and, and also just like humanity's understanding of it completely is so like I mean apparently it's like we literally know nothing about it at all right we can only speculate yeah. it's fun <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely Speculate on things like giant intertwining consciousness webs. <laughs> it, it, I, I, maybe, maybe the binding piece. Uh, it sounds so like I feel so abstract and hippie, but I love I love having these kind of talks. Sure. Uh, it, but maybe the binding piece is love. It's like like so that like people like you were saying with your with your mom, like you guys have that bond, that connection, and whenever that that. Uh, she understands through that connection that something's off. Right. 
Like, yeah. I feel like I feel like you feel it whenever you're close with somebody more so than whenever you're. It's like you know, just like a. I would say a surface level friend or an acquaintance. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, you have that that connection. Something binds you. Yeah, it's a cool concept. That's really wild to think about. Yeah. All right, we'll, we'll switch the topic up from uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love talking about that stuff. Though. That's really yeah. interesting. Uh, oh, what's what's the process of figuring out who you are in this world? That's a big question. That is. That's a, it's a real question. big question. Um, it's probably, there's a lot of answers to that too. Um, I, everybody has their own journey. We've kind of talked. We kind of touched on this before. Everybody has their own journey, their own experiences. Everyone's figuring out on their own. True. And everyone's story is unique. And I think that is so cool. That is so like, cool. You have experienced that firsthand by doing this podcast. Is hearing different parts of everyone's story. Um, and different people mature at different rates and um, build their knowledge and figure out what they want or what they want to do with their life at different times in their life. Um, for me, it's been really cool um, to learn from my mistakes. That's something I've really learned in the past four years of my college life is making really big mistakes you know, that could, that could ruin my life, you know, that could turn my life completely around. And just having the strength to, like, instead of let mistakes bring me down, uh-huh. um, learning from that and, and growing and moving forward and kind of okay. kind of letting go of that. Um, what I'm talking about is I went to Mizzou for a semester Oh, really? A lot of people don't realize this. Yeah, yeah I didn't know I, that. I started my college career at Mizzou. Okay. Um, By the way, are you, are you uh, good on, do you want this water ball? Sure, I'll take it unless, okay, cool. unless you want do you mind, it. Do you mind splitting it? Yeah, let's split it. Let's Absolutely. do it. Absolutely. Um, so you started at Mizzou? I started at Mizzou. Um, joined a fraternity down there. Uh, I won't say which one. It doesn't matter. It's not around anymore. Um, but, you know, drinking partying, being a madman every single day. Uh-huh. Not every single day, but four to, five, four to five days a week. Oh, wow. Um, didn't handle it well. Got in trouble in my dorm for drinking and various things. Um, long story short, ended up suspended for a semester. Oh, really? So I had to leave Mizzou. Um, they let me finish the semester, which was awesome. That's cool, though. But, man, this was probably the lowest of my low time in my life type thing like laying on my dorm room floor crying type of thing just because I felt like figured out you know yeah just because I felt like such a failure right um and it was hard when something like that happens you have all these plans for your life um and then by your own choices you ruin it right make the people in your life that love you disappointed um and your life kind of takes a turn out of nowhere. Um, and it, so it was hard to deal with that. You know, went to community college for a semester, 
all of my friends were still in Mizzou, right? And I'm watching Snapchat stories, like seeing them all have a good time and still doing their oh, thing. Oh, that's terrible. And I'm at home, like living in my dad's basement again. Uh-huh. So that experience for me, for about a year, I was so embarrassed, you know, like I wouldn't even tell my extended family what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't tell like people that I met what happened. Understand. And then so. af- after about a year, maybe two, I really embraced it and was able to see, like, if it wasn't for that experience in my life, Uh is seeing what it's like to be a complete fuck and, like, ruin all my opportunities, um, I could be doing the same thing now, you know, drinking, smoking, doing whatever I was doing there. Um, I could still be at Mizzou doing the same thing. So for me, it was such a blessing to have that so early in my life. Um... And be able to grow from it. You, you probably reflected on that a lot, especially living in your dad's basement. Yeah. Like, just, uh, like, watch, especially watching all the Snapchat stories, you're like, wow, that could be me. Was it leaking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh, wow. That, I, I will say, uh, and I, I know Joe Rogan talks about this, but I, I really like people that, uh, that kind of hit low points and grow from those and really uh, reflect because it, it, it really brings up the question. It's like, is this who I want to be? Like, do I, do I want to be this person that, uh, that makes mistakes like this or do I want to be somebody different? Right. So it, it, it sounds like it led to, uh, like one mistake led to that, asking that question, like, who do I want to be? And then it led to like you, like different behavior and, uh, and growth from it. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of uh, like conditioning. Uh, when you grow up, you do something wrong and you get you get punished for it. Um, you're gonna not do that anymore. I mean, not all the time. Um, I don't know how your parents punished you growing up, but my parents did spankings. So I would, I don't know, say I did something ridiculous like bite my sister. <laughs> so I get a spanking and I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't bite my sister anymore. Uh-huh. So then you go through an experience where you make some bad decisions and there's consequences. And those consequences don't feel good. So it's almost like conditioning, like, oh, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore because the way I felt when I did that didn't feel good. That's a good point. That's right? a good point. So, and I think there's so many things in life like that where you're, you're learning from experiences. But then on the other side of that, you make a good decision, something great happens, um, and you feel good. And it's conditioning the other way, right? Mm-hmm. And you want to keep doing those things because you feel good. Like working out. You leave the gym and you feel awesome. You're like, heck yeah, I'll be back tomorrow, right? So it's, it's kind of cool. Um, as you go through life to see those two different ways of, of kind of learning things. That's a really good point. That's yeah. a really good point. Like learning from the uh, positive reinforcement versus on the opposite, the contrary, negative reinforcement. So then, you, like, cause, uh, yeah, because it, it, that, that, that's a good point too. Because, like, if you're getting, if you want to get in the gym, I don't know about you, but, like, have you ever heard somebody that's like, oh, I want to get in shape, but I hate running. Like, I hate running so much. Okay. Like, I want to lose weight, but I, I hate running. It's like, oh, like, you you have running associated with pain. How are you going to be persistent with doing that? Like, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I already know it's going to happen for you. You're not, that's not going to happen. Right. Versus, 
if you get that good feeling that that endorphin high from running like it's going to be a different experience and if you're going to want to carry forward with it for sure yeah that's a good point yeah it's pretty cool i think you could arguably learn a lot more from the the big consequences though yeah, it's, it's 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 an interesting topic in psychology to see which one's more effective. Um, I think they actually say when raising kids that um, positive reinforcement is the better way to do it. But from my experience, it's the negative reinforcement. <laughs> it's like, okay, I don't want to go there again. Let's debate some psychologists right now. Right. We'll call, we'll call <laughs> sure. them up in the pod. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like uh, it sounds like you've been able to find a lot more of a balance between like security and adventure. So like you're like more like spontaneous wild side, and you've been able to like use the the positive sides of that, and then also like the the orderly side of being able to uh, be studious and like focus in and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's important to find a balance because I think, um, man, I love going out, you know, having a few drinks, meeting people, networking. Not even, you're not even really networking, let's be honest. <laughs> you're building contacts. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, getting all these girls' numbers. <laughs> no, it's, and I love it. So I'm not going to, like, let go of that completely. Totally. Um but you just can't be doing it all the time if you want to get the grades you want to get, get the job you want to get, uh, graduate on time, whatever your goals are. Um, so, yeah, that balance is super important. Totally. And it just took me a while to find it. Good for you. Good for you. That's awesome. I'm just, man, I'm still working. You know, like, we're all, like I said, everybody's on their own their own journey. Everybody's figuring it out at their own rate. True. So True. I'm just, like, the goal is to learn something new every day. Absolutely. It seems like that's important to you, too. Yeah. Just constantly learning, constantly looking for new ways to, ex- new experiences, you know. Um, yeah. New experiences to really open yourself up to and learn from. Absolutely. Yeah, good, well, good for you in the aspect of uh, being able to find a lot more of a balance and to be able to still have fun while, like, being responsible at the same time. That's really, that's really awesome. Yeah. Seems like you do a pretty good job of it, too. And you balance you balance stuff like doing your podcast and everything too, doing all your hobbies on the side. I try making yeah. your vines or whatever it is you're doing. So it's it's cool to see everything you're doing too. Thank you, thank um, you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's it's awesome, man. That's that's definitely uh, that's a hard thing being able to balance like work, school, uh, what else? Like just everything in college. Like time management is everything. Yes, absolutely. That takes learning too. True. You know, like especially like you first come to college, you're living in the dorms, you don't know what you're doing on your own. You've been on your mom's schedule your whole life, whatever it is, um, and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I gotta, I gotta go to class at this time every day. Oh, I need a job so that I can pay for gas, and it's just like things start to add up. By the time you get to your senior year. You're involved in different things. Your class schedule's insane. You're working all the time. And it's like, but you've built yourself up slowly to that point. So I like able, that perspective. Yeah, so you're able to manage it better because you've had practice. Good point, yeah. That, yeah, that is a good point. Yeah. It, it could be, it, it probably gets overwhelming still, but you're sure. better at it. You're better at it. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure you get overwhelmed sometimes. Totally. I definitely do. Same, same. I think I think everyone does. I think um, anxiety is super prevalent in our culture. Um, 
I don't know if it's the whole world, but from what I see, people get so overwhelmed by everything that's going on. You know, the world's moving so fast. What do you think that is like a result of? Too much on the like too much workload or I don't know if it's workload. It might I've heard the theory that it's so much exposure. Um, you log on to Instagram and you see all these people that are super successful and they're doing all these really great things and making all this money and making an impact and creating awesome content. So then you as a student, you're like, oh, I want to do these things too. Like, how do I do them? I need to do it now. Like, I need to do it now. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So I think like this pursuit of, of success and wealth, um, is a heavy load to bear. Um, but there's so much time. That's how I deal with it. I realize there's so much time. Like, I just need to step back, take it one thing at a time. Like, everything will play out the way it's supposed to. Yeah, it's, it, on that topic, I feel like, uh, like, how, how bad is it really, though, if if you don't get that, all, all of those things, too? Like, do you think the, the anxiety comes from, like, like, putting the stakes too high and being like, I have to have all these things. I have to have all these do you think that's maybe a result of it as well? Sure. Sure, I think so. Because if you weren't concerned about getting good grades and a test, then the test, like studying for the test wouldn't be giving you anxiety. Oh, so you're saying like the the anxiety of wanting to perform super well yeah. and not being good enough maybe. Sure. Wow, that's a good point. That's yeah, a good yeah, point. yeah. Yeah, that's what I've seen from from college students. It seems like that's kind of what causes the anxiety. Is yeah, this pursuit of of being good enough. But what's good enough? True. I know I, I definitely get overwhelmed with that sometimes. That and in the variables if I'm gonna have enough time to finish everything and yeah, good point. Like uh, achieve what I want to achieve and like whatever the classes are. Right. Yeah, man. It's it's a struggle. I We're try. all in it together, though, man. Drum. Drum. That's what's great about it is, like, especially in a college town, like, there is people everywhere to network with and to go through this stuff together, you know, people to study with, people to to just hang out, just do have conversations like this with, like, and I think that's super helpful in getting past that anxiety, too. True. It's like having people there for you and being there for others. That's what uh, roommate Joe like. He uh, roommate Joe, <laughs> but he he's he's incredible. Like I, something I always admired about him is he uh, he's I've noticed he always gets like people's numbers in the class and always ends up studying with people and stuff like that. And I yeah. uh, I was getting stressed out because I was doing a lot of stuff on my own. Not for every class. Like if, I'm decent at networking as well, but not. Uh, I never thought like oh if i don't know anybody in here then i'd never thought until until last semester to like be like hey maybe i'll just make friends in the class and then and then go at this together like yeah it's a lot easier yeah that's actually how me and joe became good friends oh no way was, yeah he reached out to me in a class he's like hey let's study together it's like all right there you go for sure i'm sorry you're friends with him model <laughs> <laughs> roommate joe that guy man <laughs> roommate joe <laughs> Well, do you have uh, do you have any other topics? I think I think covered everything I've written down. Nice, nice. We hit a lot of different stuff. Um, yeah, man, that's all the stuff I 
was thinking about coming into this. Okay. I expressed a lot of stuff that was on my mind, man. So this has been really cool for me to, to do that. Same, same. You know? Um, I'll be honest with you, it's a different headspace. Sitting in a, in a podcast room, like, and we're having this conversation, and you, you dig into places your mind that, that you don't use very often. Really? I've, I've never heard that before. So, like, that's, how so? That's kind of the way I feel. I don't know. Like, like I said, time's moving so fast, like, where you go from one thing to another. Um, but if you take the time to sit down, and you're like, all right, let's dig into a conversation right now. You know, I don't get that opportunity elsewhere. So, oh, that's a good point. It's been really interesting to to have this experience with you, man. It's and, it's so simple. It's so simple. Yeah. It's like oh, we're just we're just trying to accomplish having a good conversation. Absolutely. I I definitely I like the simplicity of that for sure as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. So I am envious of of you doing this and having 90, 90 experiences like this. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. And so many different. I think you're like the. I want to say 84th guest, something roughly around there. So it's it's really cool uh, hearing all the different perspectives. I feel like it's made me a lot more open minded to the world and uh, to different points of view. Like like I like to like, I like ask these questions. Like maybe I, I can't think of a question off the top of my head that I asked you that I've also asked somebody else. But say I ask you something, and I've asked six other people. I mean, majority of the time, you're going to get six different answers. Then sure. So then, it, like, like maybe I held this opinion, but I'm like, you know what? That's a cooler way of looking at it than, like, the way I looked at it before. Not that the way I looked at it before was wrong, but I consider that uh, maybe maybe not even necessarily better, but, like, just more effective. Or, sure. Or, uh, I don't know, maybe more practical for me at this point in life on, like, how to take on that point of view or whatever it may be that's cool that's super cool um there's a lot of perspectives out there but we don't get the chance to see them all very often true so i think that's that's super cool that that you're able to get that experience it's also blown my mind how much people will say if you just fucking listen (laughs) if you just listen like it's absolutely it blows my mind like what people will open up about like yeah it's it that that has been something that i just like i i didn't really have too much expectations for this experience uh so far at least i just kind of i'm like okay this sounds like something that'd be cool like cool hobby uh cool let's try it and i just hopped into it and that's something that has like blown me away with like what people will open up to like it's it's just it's really really beautiful how people people just want to be heard like I really do believe that yeah that's cool man you ever think about being on the other side of the table having somebody interview you I would love that I would right? enjoy that yeah I bet you would open up quite a bit too totally it'd be cool I definitely I definitely uh, I mean like with my uncle like that that uh, that's definitely, I'd say that's some opening up for sure. Yeah. Especially, like, all the inner family drama that's come. Crazy story, man. It's all, it's definitely made me a lot more, as you could say, like, genuine and open. Like, I, I feel like I have to hold myself to higher standard because I can't be, like, like, deceptive about anything. Because, like, even though, like, at least I, I feel nobody's watching, uh, which, by the way, people have a lot more people than I thought have said, like, oh, I watch your podcast. I'm like, no, that's so cool. That's I think so, I'm one of those people. So cool. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. I love <laughs> yeah. hearing that because yeah. 
again, I put no expectations. I just, I just expect nobody's listening. So that's, I feel like that's the best way to go about sure. it. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, that were, what was I saying? Oh, man. <laughs> I lost it, too. I bet. No, I was hopping all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're talking about opening up. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, I just I just had to be a lot more honest and, like, yeah, 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 with, yeah. with everything and, and just more open because if I'm, like, I mean, I've always been a very honest person. Or at least I've considered myself an honest person. I do my best to tell the truth, but, uh, like, you just really, I just feel like I can't be deceptive, like, whatsoever. If I'm, uh, I just need to be as transparent and as real with every single person, because what's the point otherwise? I, right. I, just, I just don't see the point of being fake or, like, I mean, every person kind of brings out a different side of you, but, like. Okay, yeah. But, uh, it's not, like, I don't know, it's, it's, I still stay, like, honest, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, that's, that's really cool. I think it was something like that that's super important. I would I would definitely suggest trying it with your mom. All right. I think you yeah. I think you'd really enjoy it. You probably learn a lot about your mom and about yourself too. Absolutely. We would it'd be interesting to do guests too to see some Ooh. of the people my mom would try to bring on. It'd be really <laughs> interesting. Who do you think uh just like spitballing who do you think she'd end up Oh on? man, uh her Rich friends from work, probably. <laughs> be really cool to get some of the perspectives of um, stay-at-home moms with millionaire husbands. That would be interesting. <laughs> you know? That'd be a really cool perspective. I don't get to talk to many people like that. Yeah. Very different lifestyle. Absolutely. Absolutely. I hope to be that millionaire husband one day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> but maybe you could have the millionaire husbands on as well. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be that'd be pretty sick to like sit down and be like, like what what advice? Like, uh, it's just a random question that comes to mind. But like, what advice would you give to somebody like me in their twenties? And it's like, oh, like I, I just remember when I was in in twenties, I was yeah, yeah. always having anxiety. I was always stressing out. Like, yo, it's gonna be cool, man. It's, <laughs> it's gonna work out. Yeah, yeah. I, it's super cool. Um, I've had the ability to network with some some older successful guys recently and it's really cool to um feed on their wisdom you know get totally. advice from them uh and learn from them because uh, that's really where you're gonna learn the most is from people that have been through the same experiences absolutely so that would be a super cool experience that just makes sense yeah it makes sense yeah for sure Thanks for being transparent with me, man. <laughs> Thanks for being transparent with me as well, Kevin. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Cool. Well, any uh, any last thoughts? Any any last words? Just thanks for having me, man. Hell it's, yeah. It's been fun. Absolutely. Good, good conversation. Cool. I'll shake your hand. Yeah, that's hey. what I'm talking about. <laughs> Official. Hey. All right, cool. This has been one hour, 45 minutes. That's a good conversation. Wow. That's a good conversation. Man, we got a little carried away there. hey <laughs> Cool. All right, deuces. Enjoy your day. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs>